Welcome to the Fantasy Affair. Welcome in my fantasy affairies. This is another episode of the Fantasy Affairs of Fantasy Football Podcast. It's a pleasure to be with you. I'm going to be your fill-in host today. This is Burke at Eric Burke Holder 6 on Twitter, filling in for Brian Maganero at Brian GM on Twitter. And I'm here as always with the third member of the Killer Bees, Bradley Stickler at FF Bourbon Dude on Twitter. What's up, Brad? I'm living the dream, Berkey. I got to spend eight and a half hours in the car today after a wonderful night out on the town in Louisville, Kentucky, with none other but at Eric Burkholder 6 last night. We got to get together, have some sushi, drink some beer, have a glass of bourbon, uh, and uh, I, I got to spend the entire day sitting on my ass in the truck on the way back home from that trip. So uh, I'm tired. Uh, I hope nobody can tell. Uh, I'm drinking some beer to liven myself up a little bit. We'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm excited to talk wide receivers, though. Yeah, we're going to attack wide receiver tiers. It was a hell of a time last night, man. Um, yeah, you know when you have to order an appetizer for your buddy so he can sober up? You've done your job as a host, okay? So we had a hell of a time. Tried that Ocean Reserve, uh, Jefferson. Oof. It's tasty. Okay. I recommend breaking the bank. Go and get yourself a bottle. So uh, just to recap last episode, we are attacking wide receiver tiers. We put them, we went one through 10. We were kind of light because we wanted to really get in depth. We got Tyreek, Devontae at the top with Diggs, Hopkins, DK, uh, Michael Thomas, Justin Jefferson, AJ Brown, Kelvin Ridley, and CD Lamb fit into that third tier, which is a little deeper. Uh, we can debate till, till the cows come home how high up these rookies should go and these younger second third year guys should go like I have them a lot higher than some but that's the beauty of consensus is the one guy pulling you down or tearing you up that creates a talking point so we are going to attack uh you know 11 through as many as we can get through today um and we are going to start off today with Chris Godwin in a tier with Allen Robinson Terry McLaurin T Higgins Mari Cooper the breakout candidate DJ Moore and the two vets, Keenan Allen and Mike Evans, and we're going to talk about if there are any rookies we can fit in here. Now, clearly, this is 8 to 10 deep. This tier is long. Like, we were trying to figure out the rest of the guys that we think will be wide receiver ones. And it's a very funny term for us here as a staff because when you start picking out your wide receiver ones, there can only be 10 or 12 or however many, however large your league is, and yet we start going close to wide receiver 20 talking about a guy that we believe can finish top 10. So let's kick it off here with Chris Godwin um, of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We know that Antonio Brown has yet to sign there. We know that he was wide receiver two, two years ago in 14 games, though that was a lower scoring year for the wide receiver position you know, in general. And then last year he was banged up, only played 12 games, but he does end up with 840 yards and seven touchdowns. He does have Tom Brady, who we believe is going to try and set some records on his last hurrah. Uh, we just hope he hasn't hit that cliff. So talk to me about Chris Godwin, age 25. Yeah, look, I love the guy. Uh, the problem I have is he's working under that damn franchise tag, right? So you you wonder what his future is going to look like after this year. Uh, but, you know, you talked a little bit about his 12 games last year, uh, or I'm um, 12 games this year, the fact that he was wide receiver two in the NFL uh, and, and PPR leagues in 2019. He, he had a higher fantasy points per game average than Mike Evans both of those seasons, regardless of placement, right? So to me, I, that's what I'm looking at is when the guy's healthy, he is the alpha on that team, even with Tom Brady this year. So that's why I have him ranked a little bit higher than Mike Evans. 
Yeah, I got him several spots. The the youth, um, the contract running up, we assume he's going to be a highly touted guy. And then you get to pick, does he want to go try and win a Super Bowl? Does he go after money? So if he goes to a contender, you like that because they have a strong roster. If he goes to make money and he goes and plays on a roster that's depleted with a questionable quarterback, he is without – he's the true alpha. He's going to absorb all of those targets – 121 in 2019, 84 last year. But again, he hasn't played a full slate. So he's very interesting, uh, definitely in the one category. And at his age, you we talked about the window continually, that 26, 27, 28-year-olds, that's supposed to be the prime. And this guy is quickly approaching that. Another guy under the franchise tag here, Allen Robinson, who's 27. He's right in the middle of that window. Back-to-back 150-plus target years, had 98 and then 102 receptions. So he's right around 100, yard, 100 receptions, right around – you know, 11 to 1200 yards. He doesn't score a ton of touchdowns playing with those bears. They add Andy Dalton, which is just not the sexiest pick, but he has carried wide receiver ones in the past. I mean, we saw last year, he did Amari Cooper, some favors, uh, heavily targeting him. We know we remember AJ green, and this is probably the best quarterback that Allen Robinson has ever played with. And again, under the franchise tag, if they don't address the quarterback position soon, he can indeed leave. So uh, talk to me about Allen. Yeah, you already kind of talked about the Andy Dalton factor, and that that's I know a lot of people are concerned. Oh, well, he throws like 20 touchdowns a year. How can he carry Allen Robinson? You already talked about Allen Robinson getting 150 targets in the past two seasons, and I'll expand on that. He's gotten 150 targets in every season that he's played a full season. If you go back, there's four seasons he's played 16 games. In all four of those, he's had over 150 targets. He is an alpha hands down he should be i would argue in the tier above these guys but some of the reason is that franchise tag he's going into his age 29 season who's gonna be willing to sign a a 29 year old vet to bring him in but to add a little bit of statistics around the andy dalton factor right you mentioned aj green four years from 2015 to 2018 i'm discounting 2019 because that was the injury uh you know people taking aj green in the fifth or sixth round because he had an ankle injury and he never played the whole season right so from 15 he was the number the wide receiver nine with 1300 yards and 10 touchdowns 16 he he only played 10 games but he was number five wide receiver in points per game in 2017, he was the wide receiver 11, 1,100 yards, eight touchdowns. And then 2018, he played a little, about half a season, had 700 yards, six touchdowns, was still a wide receiver two, a high-end wide receiver two in points per game. Andy Dalton is not going to affect somebody with Allen Robinson's skill set. He's going to get peppered. He's going to get yardage. He's still going to get his six, or six, seven, eight touchdowns. He is still going, in my opinion, going to be a wide receiver one at the end of the year in a 12-team league. Uh, yeah, it's tough to argue against it because he's such an alpha, like you highlighted there. He, he's just targets are earned. They are not just given away, and he earns them. And we look at the rest of the offense. They're talking about trading Anthony Miller. It's not like he's going to be a threat. Uh, we have Mooney there, who is an up-and-comer, but uh, very little draft capital. I'm a fan. It's just I don't see how he can really aff- – he's not going to hurt him. Cole Komet is taking over at tight end. They have Cohen coming back. They sign uh, Damian Williams. We know that Monty is – David Montgomery is the starting running back there. They're all serviceable enough to not ruin the offense, but we know that if they're going to win games, it's going to be off the base of the defense. And Allen Robinson – doing what he does best and just dominating corners and dominating coverage and dominating the, the target share. Uh, up next is Terry McLaurin, who is a guy that has not been a one yet, 
right? Now he does get an upgrade, quote unquote, from his previous two quarterbacks, and he gets Fitz Magic out there. He, he had 134 targets last year, so him rising up to 150 targets isn't out of the wrong possibility. The real key here is that he'll be more efficient, right? 1,100 yards, 87 receptions, only four touchdowns. At age 25, he's not necessarily a young buck, but he hasn't quite hit his prime yet going into his third NFL season with a quarterback that we know is going to put him in a position to succeed. This guy on the list is the one that I am the most shaky about, Uh, and he's a hot commodity. I mean, in the dynasty community, people love them, some Terry McLaurin. So why don't you tell me your thoughts on him? I'll sum it up pretty quick. Ryan Fitzpatrick throws the ball down the field. Terry McLaurin did not miss a pass play all year last year. If the Washington football team ran a pass play, Terry McLaurin was on the field running a route. He had, uh, he, he was number four overall in the air yard share of the Washington football team, which is telling me when the ball's in the air and it's going downfield, it's going to Terry McLaurin. This guy's got four, three speed and he's a damn good wide receiver. I believe he's going to be, Ryan Fitzpatrick's favorite target. And when he chucks the ball down the field, it's going to Terry McLaurin. And he's a damn good ball player. I am very confident in his skill set and where he's going to be next year. I think there is the chance where he's a top, I'm going to say top 15. I'm going to hedge my bets just a little bit. Uh, I I think there's too many guys that are just elite right now and and you got to think this is only his third year in the league i know he's a little bit older but he's still young in regards of nfl uh experience so year three you expect to see a little bit of that jump you talked about he's been a wide receiver too both years so i expect that top 15 season from him and then if that can continue on depending on if they draft a quarterback we we will see some some additional growth with him yeah he's an interesting fella Uh, If you want to talk to me about Curtis Samuel and how he can help or hurt Terry McLaurin, uh, that's great. I mean, I believe they were former teammates, and and we know that that's a high-profile signing. I don't know how he takes away from Terry. I think it just helps because they can't just key in on the one guy. Um, But if Curtis gets a bunch of touchdowns, it's going to be interesting. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, as much as we love the guy in short stints, I don't know what he can do on a full season. I don't know if he'll be just just the placeholder. Uh, or whoever they end up drafting or, you know, any sort of steal that they think they have. Kyle Allen, I know that the, the coach out there is a big fan of, so it'll be inter- interesting to see how this year's plays out because I could see them swapping quarterbacks at some point and him having kind of a Devontae Parker kind of season where it's just there are changes from week to week, uh, and I don't think he's a dominant physical specimen like some, like an Allen Robinson, who is just absolutely going to own the corner. I do think he does get open, but he needs a little help from the quarterback. Going from those three who have quarterback turmoil, even though Chris Godwin does have Tom Brady, we don't know how long that's going to last. we got two guys on the list here back-to-back that are locked in with a good young QB. That is T. Higgins for the uh, Cleveland – I'm sorry, for the Cincinnati Bengals and Amari <laughs> Cooper for the Dallas Cowboys – Uh, The connection to Joe Burrow, the connection to Dak Prescott. These are two guys on the list. One of them that's been around for a long time. One of them that's an up and comer that I think uh, this is right where they belong today, but I can see them both rising. So talk to me about T Higgins and then Amari Cooper. Yeah, I think, you know, the concern is I think that's starting to populate around T Higgins is guys seeing some mocks and who they, they 
are projecting potentially going to the Cincinnati Bengals. Let me put a little bit to this to rest, right? So people are saying Kyle Pitts might get drafted to the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't care if Kyle Pitts goes to the Cincinnati Bengals. That's not going to hurt T. Higgins, in my opinion. That gives the offense more opportunity to score. And the more opportunity to score you have, a guy who's 6'4 with the big wingspan is still going to get his red zone targets. Kyle Pitts isn't taking every red zone target. T. Higgins this season still had seven solid, seven targets as a rookie in the red zone. That is that's a good target share for a rookie wide receiver. You know, you're, you're thinking the guys like Devonte Adams and Mike Evans, those are the red zone guys. They had 14, but they're four five, six years into their NFL experience. So you can only see T Higgins continuing to grow from his rookie season in more experience with Joe Burrow. And I love the addition of Kyle Pitts to help him not to hurt him. What do you think if they end up taking Jamar Chase at five? Now, I think they're going to go with a tackle, okay? I just really do. But what if they go with Jamar Chase, who you know is an alpha, who had a higher, you know, he had a better season before T. Higgins came out. He has a higher profile. Um, Does that scare you at all? No, because I think their gameplay is kind of similar, right? So I I just don't see that as a potential like I don't even think that's in the realm of possibility personally because they're the same ball player the skill set to me when I watch film is very similar they're good at hand fighting they use body position a lot um so I I don't know that that's going to come to fruition if in your in your world let's say it does again I'm going to use the same argument no because T Higgins is an alpha also right T Higgins is going to continue to do what he did his freshman year when you, or his his first year in the in the NFL when he's he's catching 900 900 yards on an offense with three different quarterbacks throughout the season. Um, so there's going to be plenty of scoring opportunity because that defense is going to continue to be bad. Uh, they're going to be a down. They're going to be throwing the ball. Um, and if that hurts anybody, that's going to hit hurt Tyler Boyd in the slot where I think Jamar Chase is going to do the majority of his damage. Really? That's, that's bold. Um, now, we know that CeeDee Lamb played a ton of slots, so it's not – it makes sense. It's just that CeeDee Lamb – Michael Gallup was there. He just fit the slot. He was just going to dominate the slot. Tyler Boyd is a slot wide receiver, so I don't see them pushing him off the field, and I definitely don't see them pushing him outside. Uh, But let's move on. Let's go to Amari Cooper here, who is 26, so he's older. He's got six years of experience. He's got 1,000 yards every year but one. He's coming off 130 targets, which is, you know, the most since 2016. This is another too many mouths to feed kind of argument. Why is Amari Cooper here where we have CeeDee Lamb higher? Now, that's an age thing, but the connection to Dak, they have contracts through 2024. Uh, he is going to be the one. He is going to draw the best coverage, and the more that CeeDee Lamb develops, the more Amari Cooper is going to get open. I mean, he just absolutely eats corners for breakfast, and he finished wide receiver 15 in PPR leagues with, you know, three, four different quarterbacks starting after Dak went down. So, um Yeah, I think he's a stud. I think he's a one. I think we all have him at 15 or so, 14 or 15 in our dynasty rankings. Look at you, Brad, at 12, kicking him up a little bit, throwing some respect on that name. So Amari Cooper, you got anything to say about – he's just so safe and so stable. And if he's your one on your dynasty team, I think you can sleep at night. Yes, he does disappear at times, but I believe you're going to talk about how he was wildly consistent out of nowhere last season. And that's my thing, right? Everybody says, oh, Mari Cooper's consistency. You know, you can't start him. You can't do this. You can't do that. Okay, so 
let me let me put that to bed just a little bit. I'm not saying he's never going to give you a bad game. However, um, if you look at how he has progressed over the last three years, three years ago, 2018 was atrocious. He had eight games that were under 10 points. That can't be an alpha receiver. Your wide receiver one on your team cannot give you sub 10, especially half the season. Right. Then you turn around, you look at 2019, he moves into Dallas. He, you know, he, he spends a little bit of season in Oakland, a little bit of the season in Dallas, and he only gives you five games of sub sub 10 fantasy points. Then you look at last year where he only gave you three games under 10 fantasy points out of the entirety of the season. And you kind of alluded that's what three different quarterbacks playing on top of that. He gave you five games over 30 points over that three-year span, right? So when you think 30 points, that, that's the potential of a week-winning performance if he's, in your, if he's on your team, if he's a wide receiver one, your wide receiver two. So let's put that into a little bit of perspective. Over that same three-year time span, Tyreek Hill only has eight games over 30 points. DeAndre Hopkins only has four games over 30 points. Devontae Adams has eight, but six of those were this season, which gives him two the prior two seasons. And Michael Thomas only has six. So to me, that puts him in an elite category where he gives you not only the consistency, but also that upside of 30 plus point fantasy weeks. Uh, I just moved Amari Cooper for the cheap, in my opinion or I, I obtained Amari Cooper on the cheap, in my opinion. I moved A.J. Brown for Amari Cooper and Joe Mixon. That's how cheap people are moving Amari Cooper right now because that narrative around his consistency is still there. So jump on that when you can before he gets back with Dak Prescott next year. Yeah, we saw him on an absolute tear with Dak, and I think that will continue. Now, 130 targets is not a ton. I mean, it's not 150. It's not 166 like we saw Diggs have where he was the only guy there. 130, 120 targets you absolutely can obtain. He demands at least that, at least that. God forbid they move on from Gallup or CeeDee Lamb struggles a little bit or other people draw the coverage, and he's just – if, he's, if you are open, Dak Prescott will find you no matter the route. Uh, I don't think the defense will <laughs> improve. I mean, they have to improve some because they have to stop them every once in a while. But I do see them scoring 30, 40 points on a regular just out of necessity. So let's move on to another hot commodity here. DJ Moore, the dynasty community, I think is absolutely atrociously valuing DJ Moore. But at age 23, coming off back-to-back 1,100-plus seasons, uh, he had Teddy Bridgewater. As his quarterback, he had Cam Newton, had, you know, the ghost of Cam Newton and Kyle Allen and such. So you expect them to take an upgrade here with the, you know, eighth pick in the draft, maybe move up a little bit. But the fourth pick is owned by the Atlanta Falcons. And so instead of trying to fight for the fifth best quarterback, they go and acquire uh, Dalton. No, not Dalton. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold, right? So Sam Darnold screams 20 touchdowns in a season and 20 picks. Like, I just don't think he has it. How much can Adam Gase actually ruin you? Because when I go back to Sam Darnold in college, he had he threw picks left and right. Like, I don't know how much it can improve. But on a Joe Brady-led offense where three people not named Christian McCaffrey had 1,000 yards last year and Curtis Samuel leaving town, DJ Moore at age 23, this might be the last chance to go get him. Are you buying in on that post-hype sleeper or are you fading him? 
this is this is a struggle for me. You know, me and me and McLovin go back and forth around DJ Moore all the time because I just I just don't like where he's valued. Right. When I watch him, sure, he's okay. He's not groundbreaking to me. He's not one of the best receivers in the game or anything like that. When you watch, he's just solid. He only gives you wide receiver two production. Right. But people are coveting him like he's a top five, top six, top seven dynasty asset at the wide receiver position, which is asinine. Now, when you look at analytics, everything is good for him. Top 10, right? He's top 10 in receiving yards. He's top 10 in air yards. He's top 10 in in air yard share. Uh, The problem is he does it with very few receptions and very little touchdowns. So in a PPR league, receptions are king. Right. When you have 60 catches for a thousand yards, that's a good season for an NFL wide receiver to talk about. But from a fantasy perspective, that's not that good when you're only catching the ball 60 times and you have three or four touchdowns. Right. So I just don't see the upside of a wide receiver one season for him. I just don't see it in the cards, even with Curtis Samuel leaving town, even with Sam Darnold potentially taking over, whether that's a good or a bad thing is, I think, a debate for a different day, uh, because I think he does provide a little bit more upside than what a Teddy Bridgewater does potentially. But I just don't see a top 12 season out of him. I I just don't see it in the realm of possibility because the touchdowns aren't there and the receptions aren't there. Yeah. I love Teddy B. I think he's a fantastic professional quarterback. He is not going to throw 30 touchdowns in a season unless you set him up for greatness. The second year under Joe Brady, I was really excited to see. I thought he was outstanding last season. I watched a lot of games where he put them in a position to win. Um, Someone would drop a ball. Someone would fumble the kicker would miss the extra point or miss the field goal for the win. And then it crumbles. And then it looked to me like Matt rule just wanted to lose and get a higher draft pick. Uh, We wonder what would happen if the Eagles had actually competed in that last game and where Carolina would have fallen. We wonder what would happen if Atlanta didn't own the fourth pick and somebody out of their division did, or if they had jumped the gun and got that, you know, third, third pick in the draft. I don't think Donald is an upgrade. I don't, the offense can't really get worse because of, Joe Brady. I mean, he just makes people studs. And so I do agree that he is overvalued. He's the sexiest two in dynasty. Uh, He's just, he will probably have a top eight, maybe even a top five finish at some point in his career. I'm not going to try and bet on that. I don't know when he's going to pick up all these touchdowns. I mean, we saw Jarvis Landry do it right out there in Miami. He's going to have to be all alone. I could see him be all alone as soon as this year, because Robbie Anderson is who he is. Um, getting reconnected with Darnold. Darnold didn't really make Robbie look like a stud. That's kind of why he left town. So I could see it being as soon as this year, which is why he fits into this tier. It's just, I think it's consensus. We all have him somewhere around 18, 19. I'm not going to buy into the hype, right? I'm not going to buy into the hype. But if I get him as my wide receiver too, I could not be happier. You know, if I went, if I went wide receiver early. Now, so if you're a team that goes running back early in a startup, or quarterback in a super flex and you're trying to get your wide receiver one i recommend jumping to the top of this tier if you can't get in the tier above you're going to have to get a stud dj moore's not going to carry you if you're looking for a stopgap somebody that's just going to consistently produce consistently i mean you talked about all the times he's top 10 all these different metrics that's all real that is earned especially with the quarterback play that he's had in the system that he's had with the other competitors and his team But with Christian McCaffrey coming back, even with Curtis Samuel leaving and Robbie Anderson struggling, with Christian McCaffrey coming back, CMC can can score 
all of the touchdowns. He can't. He can do it all. So it's going to be it's going to be an interesting year. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. I'm very intrigued by Carolina. I am, you know, made sick by the Sam Darnold trade. Uh, but we'll see, man. We'll see. He was number two overall pick, right? And that that is for a reason. And that reason may or may not be because the Jets had the second pick, and it may or may not be because because he's good. But we're going to find out this season. Uh, let's move on here to a couple of value plays. Keenan Allen and Mike Evans. Now, we kind of did touch on Mike Evans. This guy is double-digit touchdowns written all over him. He had 13 last season. Uh, in a standard league, he's exactly what you want. 13 touchdowns, you know, and, and 1,000 yards on 109 targets. I mean, he's a big play waiting to happen. He is connected to Tom Brady. It's a consistency factor. You don't know if you're getting 40. You don't know if you're getting four. So to plug him in as my one is terrifying, but I can't drop him any further because he is the only wide receiver in history to have, what, seven straight years of 1,000 yards, okay? He's only 27. He's in his prime, and I think Tom Brady is going to try and light the world on fire. If he can or cannot, we will find out, but um, – I'd be shocked if this guy doesn't get 10 plus touchdowns. So Mike Evans at age 27 and Keenan Allen at 28 connected to uh, Herbert, right? And he just got that contract extension. We, so we expect him to be plugged in there for a little while. He had 159, 136, 149, 147 targets in 147 targets in only 14 games this year ends up as wide receiver 14. If he had finished the season, he would have finished top 10, um, yeah, dude, 100 receptions, doesn't even get 1,000 yards, only eight touchdowns. So he is like the epitome of the value play. This is the guy at the bottom of the tier that I want a piece of. So talk to me about Keenan and Mike Evans, mostly Keenan Allen, though. I want to know your opinions. Yeah, so so real quick, I'll do the Mike Evans thing. So for me, you talked a little bit about consistency, and that's, that's where my issue is with him is, you know, if I'm looking in a PPR league, right, touchdowns don't reign supreme. It's more the receptions aspect of things. So when I look at him, he had eight games last year where he had four or fewer, four or fewer receptions. He had nine in 2019, six in 2018. Most of these guys that we talk about is our, our, our go-to wide receiver ones because of consistency is because they don't have those four catch, four or less catch games. Calvin Ridley one Devonte adams one stefan diggs one chris godwin on the same team but we have ranked a little bit higher only had three games of four or less receptions so i look at it from a receptions perspective from him when i look at keenan allen it's a complete opposite his value is because he's getting 13 14 15 targets a game right he's not a guy he ran like a four seven or some just stupid slow 40 speed he's not burning anybody he's got he's quick off the line and he gets open immediately close to the line of scrimmage he's not tearing you up downfield he's not running these big post routes anything like that it's his quickness at the line of scrimmage and his quickness in and out of his breaks that's where he creates enough separation to get those receptions now that is also reigning supreme in the touchdown category for him right where in the inside the 10 yard line inside the five yard line his quickness allows those quick passes for him to have seven or eight touchdowns a season on top of his almost 100 receptions i think he did get 100 this year is that i think he had a right at 100 this year so yeah, 100 yeah so 100 receptions eight touchdowns i don't care about the yardage because 1400 yards is 
only a few points different than nine or a thousand, 900 or a thousand yards. It's not as big of a difference as the receptions piece, which is why I like Keenan Allen a little bit more. It's 40 points. 40 Over points. a season. Right. So yes. And we play, yes, two points a game, points. two and a half time. points a game. So they count, that's not man. why they count. That is why he fits in here. Uh, but he's at the bottom of it. Now we do have two rookies. We want to talk about where do the rookies fit in. We have yet to pick a rookie wide receiver. We have two that sneak into this tier. Um, why don't you talk to me about your wide receiver one? And then I'll talk to you about mine. Yeah. So, so, uh, you know, I've got Devonta Smith, uh, a little, uh, one spot higher, um, uh, at 18 than I do Jamar chase at 19 and, and I'm, I'm going to put them back to back right now, right? Landing spot, my landing spot may shift them a little bit apart. It may flip flop them. It, it, there's a little bit that, that, uh, is still to be determined based on the NFL draft and the draft capital that goes to it. But for me, the scheme doesn't matter for Devonta Smith, because to me, his skill set is everything. He can run any route you ask him to do. He can be quick off the line of scrimmage. He's got the speed to go downfield if he needs to. Um, I feel like he can do everything, right? His size is the big thing everybody wants to knock on him. I, I get it. I get it. It's just the guy hasn't – He has. he's played at Alabama. He was the best re- wide receiver in the in the, in the game last year, and he was the best wide receiver in Alabama last year with the, the fully loaded that we've talked about before. So I look at a guy – who plays against SEC competition, guys that are getting drafted in the NFL every game, and yet he doesn't miss games. He doesn't get banged up. He doesn't get knocked out. He doesn't get injured a lot. So I don't see that being an issue for him moving into the NFL, which is why I have him just a little spot ahead because I think his game is more complete than Jamar Chase's in a vacuum. And I don't, and I don't, and I do think size is an issue. And I do think age is an issue, and I do think breakout age is an issue, and I know that draft capital won't be. So these are going to be interesting. They are not swapping for me. I have Jamar Chase over him, and for and I will die on that hill. Uh, but I expect all of them to go between picks five and eight. We've got the Bengals, and we have the Lions there, and Miami, right? So five, six, seven. And then at eight, we have the Panthers. So maybe they take pits. Maybe they go defense. I mean, they didn't take a single offensive player last last offseason so we'll see what they do this year so uh, jamar chase though just fits the the alpha dog kind of mentality right all these other players don't want to test he sits out the whole year which is smart because he's not going to have joe burrow he's not going to have joe brady that offense is going to struggle it it is what it is okay 1780 yards the year prior all those touchdowns we know who he is um i don't care where he goes I think he's going to be the man. And the fact that he goes and shows up and tests and tests outrageously good, it's just part of that alpha dog kind of mentality. I mean, he is going to show up to not compete, to not, you know, help the team. He's going to own it. It's going to be his team. Okay. And so I think Jamar Chase is just a lock in. I, I don't, I think he's as close to a can't miss prospect of the wide receiver position that I have seen. Uh, since Amari Cooper now the one that I saw before that was a complete bust okay and now that guy just signs with the Baltimore Ravens so he's got no hope so take it as a grain of salt it is what it is but I think Jamar Chase is a stone cold stud and they both fit in for us into this tier okay now we're going to move on past wide receiver 20 and I think those are the guys that can be ones okay so we just talked about 20 wide receivers that we think can finish top 10 
top 12, uh, and then in the following season, jump up there. Now, somebody's going to have to fall out, but we got Keenan Allen, Mike Evans. We talked about Michael Thomas, Hopkins, Devonta Adams. We talked about guys aging out. We talked about quarterback changes with Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, hell, Terry McLaurin. Um, there are a lot of guys that can flip-flop. Uh, but these are the end of our tiers as a staff that we think can be ones and that you can build around your wide receiver core. Uh, so let's jump into those twos, those high-end twos. And we're going to start off with Brandon Ayuk. And even though he's a few spots lower, we're going to talk about him and Debo Samuels. Okay, Brandon Ayuk, when everybody was hurt at age 23, came in and just absolutely lit the world on fire uh, last season. Now he does finish wide receiver 35, but it says stretch. It says stretch between like, you know, weeks 13 and 15, 13 and 15, where he would just had 20 points a game. It's it's weeks 7, 8, and 10, where he had 17, 23, and then 19 points. It's the, it's the chances that he's given. Week 3 at 21, anytime that he gets the targets in a Kyle Shanahan offense, if he is going to be the one on that offense, I project him to be no lower than wide receiver 15. Now, you brought that up earlier. I think it was Terry McLaurin. Anybody can be wide receiver 15, though. Brandon Cooks does it like every friggin' year. Okay, Brandon Cooks is an outstanding wide receiver, but he also switches teams all the time. So there's something to be said for he's not good enough for them to just sell the house for, right? Um, but Brandon Ayuk, I think that's his floor. I think that's his floor if he's the one and Debo Samuel is in his way. Now, Debo is 25. He has injury concerns for his just since high school. Guy gets banged up, right? Breaks his foot. And a fluke accident that just sucks in the offseason, totally derails him. Coming off those playoffs where we went to the Super Bowl, Debo Samuel could not have been higher on people's lists. Uh, this is why you kind of want to hedge your bets in fantasy football. Wide receivers are weird. They don't generally get hurt like the running back positions, but anybody can miss a year, and then they just plummets them. It just plummets them. If this guy had had 1,100 yards and 10 touchdowns like we had him projected for, he would definitely be up a tier or two. Okay, but here he sits at age 25. Uh, talk to me about Debo. Talk to me about Brandon Ayuk and which one you want over the other. I, I think who you want is what your flavor of wide receiver is. And let me explain that that statement just a little bit. Right. Debo Samuel had the most yards after the catch per reception in the NFL last year. Now, he only played four or five games, but in those four or five games, he racked up the most yards after the catch out of any other wide receiver in the NFL. Now, his separation was enormous because that's what his game is. But his air yards were bottom feeder air yards, like two, like 2% of San Francisco's air yards were to Debo Samuel. When you look at the flip side of that coin and you look at Brandon Ayuk, you see he's only he's sub five yards after the catch per reception but he's accounting for 25% of the team's air yards, but he's not creating a lot of separation. They have a different game. To me, they play a different game. Debo Samuel is that guy who's going to be underneath catching the ball and giving you yards after the catch. Whereas Brandon Ayuk is that bigger, just more physical target down the field. Who's going to catch contested balls with that lower, that lower separation rate. Here's the thing to keep in mind. After all those things, you think, okay, well, Brandon Ayuk, maybe he's getting more yardage down the field. Debo Samuel's more, more receptions closer to the line of scrimmage. It's going to be about touchdowns at that point. So Brandon Ayuk had 11 targets in the red zone last year. As a rookie, that guy had 11 red zone targets. 
to Debo Samuel's two. Two red zone targets. Now, the, the asterisk there is Debo only played five games, right? He he really played seven, but you take into account the fact that he left two of those games early, so he really only played five games. So that leaves a little bit to be desired. So now add that third layer. Well, what's San Francisco doing at number three? A lot of people are saying they're going to draft Mac Jones. Well, okay, let's make the assumption they take Mac Jones. Who would you rather have knowing Mac Jones' skill set out of these two? Me personally, in a with a rookie uh, quarterback, I'm taking the guy who's closer to the line of scrimmage, who's going to be that safety, that security blanket, who's going to be closer to the line of scrimmage and is going to continue to eat with the, the yards after the catch. So I prefer Debo Samuel based on some of the moves that the San Francisco 49ers have done uh, and making the assumption that they're taking Mac Jones at three. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's Mac Jones or Trey Lance, the only guy that really throws the deep ball uh, just aggressively uh, would be Justin Fields. So we'll see if they go that route. It's they get they do get to watch both of them at their pro days in this coming week. It's gonna be fantastic. I'm gonna be on NFL network. I'm definitely gonna be tuning in and I don't really give a damn what they do. We've all seen them roll to their left and throw to their right. And it's kind of like the kid out of BYU, Zach Wilson, right? But Zach just does that crap. Like it's so as as beautiful as that is and as great as it is as a pro day, he's gonna own every pro day. He's gonna own you when it comes to pro days. I don't know how he's going to make it work in the NFL. I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to watch. But no matter who they take at three, uh, the only thing that really separates Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel for me is the injury concern. If I knew Debo was going to be healthy and Brandon was going to be healthy, I'd take Debo. I think they drafted Brandon Ayuk in the first round knowing that he plays a similar style. I don't think they're different wide receivers. I think Debo's just more dominant of a physical specimen on the football field he does things that other wide receivers can't won't just don't do he seeks out content a contact he's not going to run around you he's going to go through you and he's going to do it in a triumphant fashion so i'm a big proponent of Debo, but in a dynasty league i do have them back to back i do lean with the youth of brandon iu just because of the injury concern like Debo just cannot finish the season out It'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, I do implore people to go check out www.fffair.com and check out Garrett Vienna's uh, FF Goldmine on Twitter, his Evolve or Die series where he breaks down wide receivers. He also attacks the um, Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel kind of connection. He talks about Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. We had a nice debate on our Slack channel and it was great because he was like, I don't think you're giving my guy enough respect. And then I was like, look, this is how I see it. To Bradley's point, I think, they run a lot of RPOs with that quick slant. That's Debo's game. They bought Brandon Ayuk in to stretch the field. And if Debo gets hurt, they're going to put him in Debo's spot. And whoever is filling that spot is going to own. He's going to own for fantasy. I don't care if you get yards after the catch. I don't care if you just get a whole bunch of receptions. I don't care if you get touchdowns. It'll be some combination to get you into the high echelon wide receiver twos. Kyle Shanahan will make fantasy superstars. I mean, we've seen Raheem Mostert. We've seen Jeff Wilson. Uh, McKinnon did it a few times. Whoever the running back is. And then we saw George Kittle as a stud. George Kittle goes down. We see Debo blows up. Debo goes down. We see Brandon Ayuk blows up. And they're doing it with Nick Mullins. Okay, now that they're changing quarterbacks, things change a little bit. They do. So we'll see who they bring in and more so what his skill set means for the weapons. Man, it's going to be interesting, but I'm going to bet on Kyle Shanahan 
Um, so we attacked those two. Let's, let's attack another team here. Let's talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. They got Chase Claypool, who's just just a freak physical specimen. He can score four touchdowns in a game and disappear for another. They got Deontay Johnson, who's got stone hands, but just gets absolutely peppered with targets. And they got Juju Smith-Schuster that leads in a ton of categories coming out of the slot, except just does diddly with them. Now, we saw him blow up with Antonio Brown there. We expect him to take a huge step forward. Does Chase Claypool or Deontay Johnson's presence help him, hurt him? Who do you have over whom? And, you know, how do we figure out? Because you can't just get all three of them. You don't want to plug all three of them in. Do you want one? Do you avoid the whole team? What's it mean, especially with Big Ben on his last legs? We assume they're going to move on, and then they're going to have to adjust at the quarterback position. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Deontay Johnson guy. I, I, I know a lot of people uh, knock him because of, you know, the comment you said. He's, he's got stone hands every once in a while. But Ben Roethlisberger doesn't seem to give a shit right? He still peppers him with targets, right? And you talked about Juju being that slot guy. Juju's getting the red zone targets. He led the team in red zone targets. That's going to continue. I don't see that changing. That's his skill set. That's where he's the best is in the red zone working from the slot. The guy I am super low on comparatively to everybody else is Chase Claypool. I do not like that skill set. I think it's very good for an NFL team to have that skill set but I don't see it producing for fantasy in the long term, right? I see him as a guy who really just runs straight downfield. Uh, and that's, that's his game right now. Now that doesn't mean that he can't develop into something better. If I was going to pick a team to develop a wide receiver, it's the fucking Pittsburgh Steelers because they just continue to do it. They know how to draft and to develop wide receivers. But right now, you take that four touchdown game and his season was terrible. It was not, it was bottom feeder out of those rookies. Uh, but that four touchdown game, everything just, everything turned for him at that point. Everybody wanted a piece of him. Everybody overpaid for him. And he still gave you a couple good games. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say the rest of the season was trash, but you pull that game out. It was not a good season for him. I don't even think he made the wide receiver three talk pulling that game out. So now he was a rookie. I get it. I get it. But to me, Ben Roethlisberger is going to go with the guys that he trusts right now. Not to mention the fact that Ben Roethlisberger doesn't have an arm to throw down the field anymore. They didn't have the time to do it. And he just didn't do it a ton last year, which is what Chase Claypool's game is, you know, right now. So I see Deontay continuing to get those double digit targets. I see Juju working in the slot and getting those red zone targets. I they're drafting a running back in my opinion. So that's going to take some of those, uh, you know, it may give some more opportunities for RPO in those deep shots, but I see that red zone threat. Uh, that Chase Claypool could be because of his size kind of going away. Yeah, it's interesting. These three guys are all fades for me. I don't, this is the, when you get past Mike Evans and then the two rookies, I guess, but when you get past Mike Evans, the tier break uh, is just huge. Outside of the top 20 guys, I am digging deep. I'm going for those KG bets, which we'll get to in a second. I'm going for those guys at the end of their contracts. I'm going for those guys that will give me production. And then I'm going to go even deeper for my stashes. I'm not stashing Deontay or Juju or Claypool. And if I'm going to go on a one-year thing, it's going to be Juju or Claypool. And if I'm going to pick one of the three, Claypool is the guy that, or I'm sorry, it's going to be Deontay or Juju for a one-year system. If I'm going to pick one of them, 
for consistency, it's going to be Juju or Claypool. Claypool has a special part in my heart. I think he's a fantastic talent. I think he's a problem. I think he's difficult to guard. Juju Smith-Schuster getting out of there after this season is huge. It's huge for me because then he can pick where he wants to go. Now, he got offers from Kansas City and Baltimore, and he turned them down to come back to Pittsburgh. So you got to assume that Kansas City might just offer him another one, and he can stay with elite quarterback players, stay with elite offenses. He does finish wide receiver 17. Um, I don't get the disrespect for Claypool, though. You take out that 40-point game and you look at the rest of the season, I mean, he's in single digits like five times. He's always in, like, he's consistent. He's consistent enough. Now he's only getting a couple of shots down the field, but we're talking about targets, man. I'm seeing nine, 13, 10, eight, nine, another eight, another 11. He's getting targets right now. They threw the ball at just a historic rate, especially for a guy coming off Tommy John surgery. That's insane. It's insane. Uh, you expect that to change, but how, how would it, right? Defense is unbelievably good you expect them to have a running game none of us really love their offensive line we'll see if they can piecemeal together so all three of these guys are a little scary for me um they all fit together i think i do have claypool the highest though uh let's talk about the last guy in this tier before we talk about our rookie here and that is kenny galladay kenny galladay is the only one that i think can be a true alpha that i think can be a true one on his new team in new york now i don't like the new york landing spot uh, it's not my favorite, uh, but Kenny Galladay can make it work. Now, he's done it with limited opportunities as far as targets, um, and, and we do expect those to go up here as long as the offense can function. I mean, 119, 116 targets. 116 targets, 11 touchdowns, and he was wide receiver three in standard, wide receiver nine in PPR. We're talking about PPR, which is why he slips here. He is 27. He is at the end of his um, – window as far as his prime and he's doing that it's only his fifth year he's gonna be entering his fifth year in the nfl so he's kind of like terry mclaurin to me he came in so old every time i see that i'm shocked because i just assume he's going to be younger and that's kind of the importance of getting a hold of those claypools those dks those ajbs those guys that are really young because then if they fizzle out you can hold on to them they can bounce back they can develop yada yada and if they blow off suddenly they are in the top 10 of our dynasty rankings. So talk to me about Kenny. How do you feel about the landing spot? And again, I'm going to plug people to that evolve or die series um, wide receiver edition. He talks about Kenny Galladay and the connection with Daniel Jones and whether or not it will work. Man, it's a fantastic article. Check that out. www.fffair.com. Yeah, I, I love Kenny Galladay just because he's that kind of guy who just goes up and gets the ball. I love watching guys moss defenders and i feel like i see kenny g do that right when he's healthy he has the capability of just going up and getting the ball which the giants need they need somebody who can do that right darius slayton's a burner sterling shepherd is a slot guy evan ingram if he would just catch the fucking ball he'd be a really good tight end because he's super athletic and he's always open he just can't catch a damn ball uh but Kenny Galladay adds a dynamic to that offense that I really want to I really want to embrace. I really want to be happy for. But when I see Daniel Jones and the fact that he's like bottom third of starting quarterbacks to throw the ball down the field, which is where Kenny Galladay's game is, I worry about how that's going to change. Now it doesn't mean that it can't. Uh, I just don't see that feeding him very much right well you look at a guy who's getting 60 catches for over a thousand you know when it, it, two years ago when he was a top 10 wide receiver it's like 60 catches 
11 touchdowns, little over that. I think he had just under 1,200 yards, right? So when you look at that, 60-something catches, 1,200 yards, that's a huge yards per per touch, right? So he's getting the ball down the field, right? That's not really Daniel Jones' skill set. Um, so I worry a little bit about that. That you don't see him do that. Now you hope that with Saquon coming back and that offense being an, another year under Jason Garrett, another year with Daniel Jones, and they add this piece that maybe they can start to to run a little bit better. Maybe not a well-oiled machine, but one that's got you know not no oil in it. It's at least old oil or something like that. But you want to see some growth from Daniel Jones. I hope Kenny G can do that. Uh, And like you said, he's the only other guy that I think in the situation, he is the alpha, right? So I think you use the term can be an alpha. He is the alpha in New York. That's that. I think there's no question about that. Now he has that skill set. So I'm excited for him, but I'm very cautious all at the same time with Daniel Jones. Yeah, I implore people to go check out that Evolve or Die wide receiver article, man. We talked about Daniel Jones, and Garrett broke it down beautifully. He's got a nice deep ball. I don't want to give it away. Go check it out. But look at what he was dealing with. I mean, Darius Slayton was a thing. Remember that? Darius Slayton was a thing. You got Golden Tate. You got Sterling Shepard. You got Evan Ingram can't catch. And you got a running back. So who's he going deep to? And he still had some success. Go check out the article. Again, www.ffaffair.com. Check out those Dynasty articles. The whole series is highlighted. What's up, Ray? So we do have another article on the website if you're interested uh, around Allen Robinson and Kenny Galladay after their signings, the franchise tags and the moves, who you would rather have and why. It's a great article. Make sure you go take a look at it. Uh, It's got all the stats laid out. Uh, I believe Quinn is the one who wrote that, if I remember correctly. Um, So so definitely go take a look at that as well. It's just going to kind of emphasize some of the stuff that we talked about and go into depth a little bit more. So Yeah, and why they're similar in the discrepancy and why Kenny drops so far. And it's not just based off of last season missing because when he played, he was it was fantastic. Now he loses Matthew Stafford. Uh, we'll see. But at the age and at the skill set, he's definitely a talent. He's definitely somebody that when I have him on my team, I'm not looking to get out from under him before it's too late. On the flip side, though, I'm not looking to go you know overpay to get a share of this guy. Uh, let's break down four more guys here because Juju Smith-Schuster actually slides out of that tier. Let me recap real quick. Uh, 10 to 10 to 20. We got Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, Terry McLaurin, T Higgins, Amari Cooper, DJ Moore, Keenan Allen, and Mike Evans. We're throwing Jamar Chase and Devonta Smith in there, even without landing spots, because we expect immediate production from them to skyrocket up boards. And if they have a subpar year for them to still finish here. Now that is a very deep tier because that closes out the ones and you can have your preferences and put them in order however you want but the difference between Allen robinson and keenan allen is not huge for me the difference between terry mclaurin and t higgins amari cooper and mike evans it's not colossal for me so that is the cutoff right and then would you trade any of them for the 105 or 106 or wherever you're going to get chaser smith i don't know but again it's not the worst so if i can change one of these guys for somebody else in the tier plus I would do it. I think we would all do that. Uh, the next tier here, we break down Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson, and Kenny Dalladay fit in here. And we don't. We do throw a rookie in, and I think this is my fault because I have him so high. I put Rashad Bateman up here. He is my wide receiver too, in in dynasty leagues uh, in rookie rookie drafts. I love Rashad Bateman. Now, 
I'm having a tough time not overreacting to the fact that the guy loses two ounces in like 20 pounds coming out of his pro day. Uh, but he, and, and he's losing draft capital in all the mocks that I see. And I don't know if that's going to hurt or help him. How could it, how could it hurt him? Well, clearly the farther you drop, the less chances you're going to get. If you struggle, how could it help him? Well, hopefully he goes to an ideal situation where he can step in and play right away for a you know successful franchise. If he goes to the Jets, how much do you really want that? Opportunities there, right? He's going to see the field, right? But how good is that offense? Where is he now? Kansas City, I'm going to throw them out. But if he does go to another like high-profile offense, that needs a weapon like that. Let's just put one out there that we hope he doesn't go to in the Los Angeles Rams. If he ends up there and he's the guy that goes and gets those 50-50 balls that Stafford loves to put up, uh, I think Bateman could shoot up here. I do feel like I'm a little alone up here having Rashad Bateman in this tier, so I will go take another look. How are you feeling, Bradley? No, I, I love Rashad Bateman. I, I mean, I don't uh, – it's, it's hard, right? So I, I don't have him – as high as you, but I'm the next highest on Rashad Bateman and in, in dynasty rankings. I've got him at 24. Uh, you've got him at 19. Uh, I think that that draft, that drop in draft capital has the potential of being more beneficial for him, right? You think of guys like a, uh, like a Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who's taken at the end or the back end of the first, you see guys like that jump in rankings. So could he fall to a team like the Green Bay Packers right at the back end of the first? Does that change your opinion of him? For me, it absolutely does because he's beaten MVS out. <laughs> I mean, he's beaten Equinemius St. Brown out. Like there, there's nobody else there that's going to challenge him outside of Devontae Adams. Now, obviously, he's not taking that job over, but the targets are going to be there. The opportunity to score is going to be there. So I think him not being taken, you know, super high in the first round or maybe even falling into the second isn't necessarily a bad thing for him. You see a lot of wide receivers come out of the second and third round that are superstars, right? Think of Terry McLaurin. He was taken in like the middle of the third right? And look at him as an alpha on, on the Washington football team. So that that's not outside of the realm of possibility. Rashad Bateman, he has a better skill set. He's a better prospect than guys like Terry McLaurin that we talked about, guys like Chase Claypool that we just talked about. And I think he is he has the capability of being an alpha, but but Fallen is, does not concern me at this point. Yeah, we pretty much flopped Bateman and Smith because we've had this debate on and off air uh, on multiple pods. I mean, check out that Rookie on the Rise pod where we go at it. Um, so he, he has Smith at 18. I have Bateman at 19. He has Bateman at 24. I have Smith at 25. So we pretty much just flopped those two spots. Uh, but we are solely responsible for having them so high. Uh, there are a few more guys that I want to get to, but I think we're running out of time. So we're going to wrap this one up, and we're going to open up with Cortland Sutton, DJ Chark, Tyler Boyd, Jerry Judy, Jerry Judy, the couple guys out there for the Rams and Woods and Cup and Thielen and Julio Jones is still on the board, Will Fuller, the fifth, and then Jalen Waddle, who could end up going in the top ten. He's definitely a first-round talent. we got a lot of guys, and we're not even attacking – the, the value plays and Tyler Lockett, Jarvis Landry, Brandon Cooks, the ghost of Odell Beckham that may or may not still have a job uh, in the following years. So uh, please tune in to us next week. We'll be hitting you up. No, later this week, we're hitting you up Friday. We're going to record Thursday, hit you up Friday. Will we finish up our wide receiver tiers and then start getting into those rookies. Now we are all very excited to see what comes up with this NFL draft. And, and we're like 
two, three weeks away, guys. So definitely tune in. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Burkholder6. I want to give shout-outs to Garrett Vienna, Maddie Daddy, that is Matt Reiser, Sean the Madman Pomeroy, Andrew Jacques, Britt Sanders, Brian Craighead, Johnny Slokes, who's helping with the website, Quinn, who does a lot of editing, and Sam Sammy Gordon, man, nothing but en- energy, and he does have a nice promo for some cigars. If you're into that sort of thing, check it out. Can't wait to see you all at the Expo in August out there in Canton, Ohio. Bradley, where can they find you? At FF Bourbon Dude on Twitter. Thanks for listening, guys. Yep. Later. <laughs>